Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, welcome to the Transformation for Success show, and I hope you're having a great day. I want to give a big shout out to all my international listeners, and thank you for listening. This is your radio talk show host, Dr. Barbara Young. You know, I'm excited today to bring to you, listeners, an individual that I met some time ago, and I am so excited to have her on the show. I have in my studio today a special guest, Sergeant Stephanie J. Shannon, who is a disabled U.S. Army veteran who served this country for eight years, including the Desert Storm, Desert Shield, Persian Gulf War One. So I'm here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm also on Fridays on the Women's Channel at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So I invite you to tune in each week. Now, my guest today Stephanie, Sergeant Stephanie J. Sannett is an entrepreneur, consultant, inspirational speaker, and veteran advocate. So listeners, I invite you to call in today's show toll-free and join the discussion. Or if you have questions, you can call us at 1-888-346-9141. Or if you're calling internationally, it's 001-480-553-5754. And you can Skype your comments and questions to me. So I don't want you to be shy because we do welcome your feedback. I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And you can access me through these channels. You can also visit my website, transformationforsuccess.com, where you'll find more information if you're a new listener about Dr. Barbara Young, my life empowerment seminars and coaching sessions, and networking events. But before I begin the show... I want you listeners to know that every day I wake up excited and passionate about the opportunity to transform the lives of men and women through this show and to give them shared stories of individuals with messages of hope and encouragement. My mission simply is to make a difference in the lives of others. And I firmly believe that when we integrate and feed the spirit, soul, and body, It is the key to transforming one's life for greater personal and professional success. And this is a show that I've designed for everyone around the globe, the young, the bold, the seasoned, and the restless. So each week, I know you're going to be empowered, inspired, challenged, and energized to action to hear the amazing stories of successful individuals from all walks of life and professions. So today's show is about a very brave woman who dared to share her story in a book called Battling the Storm Within. So, again, call your friends because this is very important or email them to listen in or they can download the show at a later time convenient for them. And remember, you can download all of my shows on your phone and you can access previous radio shock, uh, talk shows if you like through my website, transformationforsuccess.com. Now to my guest today, Sergeant Shannon. Greetings, Stephanie. Oh, bless you. Thank you, Dr. Barbara, for this opportunity. (laughs) Well, it's great to have you on the show today and really great to have you laughing because, you know, I tell you, you know, again, sort of rereading and glancing through your book again, Battling the Storm Within, and I'm telling you, it is amazing that you're able to smile and laugh today. So how are you doing? 
I'm doing great. I've been enjoying life. I've um, been on this journey, I would say, a path of healing others now, but I'm healed now. So I'm really enjoying my life at this time. Well, you know, I, I was so impressed when I met you some time ago um, face-to-face, and I was very impressed with you as a person and, and the spirit within you, that light and the glow you have and your welcoming attitude with all people. And I was so impressed with your story. And, of course, I had a chance to read your book, and it's truly inspirational. But I want my listeners today to hear about your journey and some of the challenges you faced. And more importantly, what are some of the challenges that, in general, a lot of veterans have when transitioning back to civilian night, not only women, but the men as well. But I, but listeners, before I begin, I want to share a little bit about um, Stephanie's impressive journey. Number one, she earned her bachelor's degree in psychology. She has training in the fields of paralegal, real estate, social work. And she also founded an organization called StepEase. Um, she founded this in 1999, which is a nonprofit organization that serves at-risk youth in her community. She's also the founder, CEO of Michigan Women's Veterans Empowerment, which is also another nonprofit faith-based organization that empowers women veterans in that state. So Stephanie's journey is a story of struggle, survival, and healing that empowers others to address their own personal traumas and to overcome them. So, Stephanie, I'm going to get right in and ask some questions, you know, about some of the problems. And, you know, I do know from reading your book, and I'll just start out this, that you were like 17 and you wanted to join the Army. You couldn't, had to have your mother's consent. You were engaged to a guy who went to the service. See, I'm, I'm a good reader, and I remember. <laughs> you were engaged to a guy that went into the service. I think his name was Christopher. Am I correct? Yes. <laughs> and wow. you were thinking about joining the service, but you were really not really ready to get married at 18, which which I don't blame you, but uh, not others followed suit, myself included. But uh, nevertheless, you thought if Christopher could join the service and come back and, you know, more or less importantly, earn money to finish his college education. So that sort of puts you on your journey to join uh, the Air, you know, the Air Force. And then really you translated that to the Army because of some experiences you have with the Air Force. But, you know, I was intrigued when I say this because, number one, I guess my first question would have been, you know, what motivated you to join, you know, the services? But Mm-hmm. Understanding reading and reading your book and everything that you really you were really motivated by earning money so that you could obtain a college degree, which is a noble thing. But I'm sure you didn't know what you were getting yourself into. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my goodness! So yeah. how what sort of uh, challenges and issues did you did you um, have to overcome when you when you got into the service? Yeah, I, I tell people this, you know, back in the day they had this, this powerful commercial, the uh, you can be, you know, and you've seen all mm-hmm. these people jumping out of planes, just adventurous life. I was like, well, I can travel the world and, you know, get my college education and experience all these great things. On the tab of Uncle Sam, you know, being young, you're thinking, mm-hmm. oh, wow, this is the only way out. Besides, you know, uh, other alternative paths, you know, like you want to become an artist, you go to New York and starve or, you know, try to go to Hollywood and be found as a actor. So um, <laughs> I thought that was the, <laughs> the safest route. You know, Uncle Sam, mm-hmm. come on, the government. You know, um, not knowing much that in the military, you know, you have recruiters 
They're basically mm-hmm. the salespeople of the military. And it depends on who your recruiter is and how they sell it to you and how you believe it, you know, or more or less receive the story. And after I got into the military, I found out that everything was gray. Not everything is black and white. Mm-hmm. Once you join, you swear in. Um, that's basically it. You have to follow orders. You have to obey. You have to be in place where you're supposed to be, supposed to wear what you're supposed to wear. You're basically a, a servant. Uh-huh. A soldier, and you take orders. You don't give orders. You have to go to basic training, AIT. This whole stages of being, I would say, they taught you know, the kind of molding you into this military individual. But being a uh-huh. civilian, you have no idea. There's no um, pre-training or really full understanding of what actually happens when you become a part of the military service. So when I joined, I um, joined. I could have, you know, uh, worked in any area. And at the time, there all the Positions were not open to women, were limited. But I thought mm-hmm. about truck driving because I thought that would be cool. I would travel the world, you know, and just kind of be active. I didn't <laughs> want to be mobile in one place to be the, yes. you know, secretary. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you know, I really want to experience the fun because I was athletic too. So I, I really just thought, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my life was like, wow, I'm really going to, I don't know what I'm going to be, but I'm be great because I'm going into the military. So um, it was <laughs> like a, a out-the-box kind of thought. And then when I really found out when I got in, I was in the box. Um, the military is a closed society. You can't just come in. You have to get uh-huh. clearances. You know, uh-huh. it's really like not, you can't just walk up to the door and say, hey, I want to sit in and watch your class. I mean, very institutionalized system. And Wow. I, yeah. Yes, it is. It's, it's nothing. Um, most civilians think, okay, you know, like how they kind of portray it in the military is one way, you know, on the movies yeah. is one way. Yeah. You know, they glorify war. Um, you don't really see the realities of every day impact of military life and everybody's experience has been different but in my particular I joined a unit and five months later I was over we were deployed over to Desert Storm um, wow. to Saudi Arabia yes it was like culture shocks like night and day now, we are here you were, you were only in the service about 10 months and you were were sent yes. over to Saudi Arabia yes I didn't even wow. get to experience regular life at all it was just straight up war <laughs> oh wow. so I was like, okay, you know, we're here. And mm-hmm. the thing about mm-hmm. war, you don't get the answers. You have your administrators, your commanders, and, and they put the orders down. You don't get to ask questions. You're supposed to do what you're supposed to do, and that's it. And not, that's the part right there that kind of got me. was like I felt like I was going to still be an individual. But they strip you from an individual and make you a mm-hmm. unit, a team, which mm-hmm. is great with the mission. But as an individual, I was struggling because I still didn't really have that, I would say, learning curve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that time mm-hmm. to really understand the culture of military and really um, be able to understand my rights and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, very young and naive, um, trusting, you know, my superior oh, wow. officers. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can't, you know, one thing about joining the military, you don't control who, where you're going to be, you know, who's going to be your supervisor. Just kind of the luck of the draw. So my experience over there, Serving in the Gulf War, I worked very hard, very hard job for a five foot three, hundred and twenty five pound young lady. I was driving fourteen ton tractor trailers, hauling Patriots, ammo, missiles, water. Very wow. hard work. Wow. Yeah, in a hundred and ten degree weather. And, you know, we're traveling all over the country, going to different um, spots of the country, dropping off ammo, uh-huh. you know, so it was very hard rigorous position where it was really the, um, you know, trusting that your leaders or other people are going to protect you or, mm-hmm. you know, you're just trying to figure out where you're at. How can I function it? So it caused a lot of high anxiety. Um, but you know, war Stephanie, that period. <laughs> I, I just, you know, one of the things that intrigued mm-hmm. me, uh, you know, and, and concerned me is sort of in, 
in uh, reading your experiences is that it's sort of like it, it appears to me, and I could be wrong, that it sort of strips you of your individuality. I mean, it's because all of a sudden you become this person that, you know, you're taking orders, everything is routine, routinized, and, and you become this other person. I mean, how did you manage to keep or were you able to be yeah. Stephanie, because you you got to take yeah. orders. You can't speak up. You can't you know exert no. maybe <laughs> you and know you can, you'll, get, you'll get the penalty. You'll get the penalty for it. You know you can mm-hmm. you can choose those things, but it's like mm-hmm. I wanted to get in there and you know get out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean mm-hmm. I didn't want to experience any um, unnecessary thing. I didn't really know what my boundaries were. You know, so I didn't really have a lot of that education and training. And yeah, it was. It was very difficult. Um, you know, working like that. And what happened was. The military culture itself, um, we were attacked. Our unit was attached to another unit. So when you're shipped over to overseas to war or whatnot, you know, you don't know who else. You know, a whole bunch of new people you don't even know you're going to be connected to. So we were living in this big old camp, and it was like 500 people and maybe 25 women. Oh, so wow. it was, yeah, it was that was extreme culture shock, too. So doing the job was one thing, but after a while, you know, um, the issue of MST, most people don't know what that is, military sexual trauma. At the time, I didn't know what it was. But in What is world, military sexual trauma? Explain that, because in your book, yeah, you talk military, about that. Yeah, military sexual trauma, and when I say that, people understand, most people think it's just rape, and sex, you know, physically. Uh-huh. Verbal, no, and, sexual and, and you explain Include, that it's not. Uh-huh. Yeah, it includes sexual harassment, unwanted, unsolicited attention that's repeated. It could be someone like your boss for as a civilian, you got a boss that flirts with you for favors, you know, things like that. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, just crossing those boundaries, sexual boundaries, and, you know, the cat calling the, you know, the pet names, the inappropriate touching, you know, rubbing your back and, oh, you know, wow. grabbing you in different ways that are uncomfortable. And that's what I dealt with mostly all the time. Every day it was in and out with something. And um, I thought of it myself when I was experiencing it, it was just, hey, that's how guys act. You know, so I just mm-hmm. tried to ignore it, but it wasn't just me experiencing sexual, um, military sexual traumas, other women veterans. At the time we were serving, you know, um, I had mm-hmm. one sister veteran that actually experienced full blown rape in a truck with her sergeant, and another young lady was sexually assaulted. So it was happening mm-hmm. all over the place, mm-hmm. and then it happens to guys. You know, a lot of women think it's just women. You know, a lot of people think it's just against women. One in three women are sexually assaulted in the military, and 38 men are sexually assaulted every day. Yeah, you know, the statistics have reported that, you know, it affects uh, women veterans, but more men also have been reported, you know, in the statistics as well, which is sort of alarming. It's very disturbing because, mm mm-hmm. Most people don't think that, and and a lot of it is is like brushed down. Um, um, I can say this that most of the people I know that after all these years, I actually experienced it on multiple levels, but it's begin to affect you. I I call it like uh, it develops a psychological dis- disorder, or kind of causes a wound because you're being violated. And it depends on if you get support. Um, I complained about it. You know, I got in more trouble. <laughs> I got put on harder details. You know, I got isolated. I was labeled a troublemaker because I spoke up, but there was nothing done. I even tried to change units. And what happens is that with military sexual uh, assault or, or trauma, if the chain of command in the military, you have to start with the person that's above you, and then they take it to the next level. That person in that chain could have been, could have been the one that assaulted you. Or his buddy. So most of the time it's, it's dismissed, 
you know, mm-hmm. or there's no mm-hmm. justice in the cases. Most of the cases now, only like 20% are convicted uh, with sexual assault. So you have the latest statistics of 70 to 80% do not report because right. of fear of retaliation. Right, right. Well, and that so occurs, I that think, even point. today, just normally in, in, in our general society, uh, women yes. endure and they usually don't tell. Now, one of the things that I that I was intrigued about and wanted to ask you about, you know, when when you're in um, when you were in the Gulf War, one of the things that happened is that one of the women who were like like you was a truck driver, and she was captured, and yes. by the the Iraqi enemy forces, and so rumors were, I guess, abound that she was uh, being raped or having sex um, mm-hmm. with the and taken captive. And so those rumors, I mean, how in the heck did you handle that? Because here you oh, are over there, yeah. you're anxious, <laughs> you're already combating with your own mm-hmm. guys, you know, um, appro- inappropriate kinds of gestures and remarks and all of this. And then you get this rumor. While in, how did that happen, affect your yes. psychological state? Oh, yes. Yeah. She's the first um, prisoner of war taken. And actually, wow. you know, um, we found out later that she said they treated her very well. But um, she yeah. actually did not experience, um, I can say, she was with another male counterpart, and they were uh-huh. off on their own. That's what the rumors were. They were out doing something and got caught. Um, but hearing a woman being captive and actually a truck driver was, oh, my goodness, high anxiety. I mean, it wasn't just a military sexual trauma over there. We had uh-huh. Scud missiles coming our way. You know, we had a unit that actually came into um, theater maybe 30 days they're from Pennsylvania, and a Scud missile hit their unit, and 90, you know, all these people were killed, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we didn't even discuss it. You know, it was always something going on. You know, we were on missions where we had to have MPs uh, escort us into unknown territory, and you're standing there and watch, you know, in full gear, and with your M16 loaded, ready to fight at all times. So Jeez. it was high tension all mm-hmm. the time during that um, time service. So that's added to my PTSD. Um, when people think of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and that's what mm-hmm. I lived with 20 years undiagnosed with PTSD. Wow. I didn't know that's what I had. Why, why did so it take you so long? Wrong. Why did it take so long for you to be diagnosed properly? Well, well, okay, it's a few things with it. When you talk about post-traumatic stress disorder, especially in the military, they usually tie it to combat experience. You know, you hear mm-hmm. about these guys getting shot or, you know, mm-hmm. losing a limb or whatever. Um, they kind of, they don't really equate it to, in the past, to military sexual trauma. It was not even considered. Um, you know, so the symptoms are the same, but, you know, when you're coming back telling them what they're doing, oh, you're safe, you're fine, you know, you made it back in one piece, just thank God, that was it. But I was really, I experienced what I call an invisible wound, which uh-huh. developed a psychological disorder, and yes. then I didn't receive the intervention because no one believed me, no one supported me. And when I did come for help, they denied me. So wow. what did I have? Uh-huh. 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 I didn't have well, anything. I, I was still strength uh-huh. in my own strength. I was like, well, I'm going to just take care of myself. I went to school got a degree in psychology and kind of, I think in retrospect, I was trying to figure out what's going on with me because mm-hmm. um, mental health issues or quote unquote mental health diagnosis is still a taboo and negative thing. People don't go around telling people bipolar, schizophrenic, you know, depressed, mm-hmm. you know, things right. like that. That's not a normal conversation. And they've made it very difficult, even in the civilian world to admit that one in three, one in two people are depressed. You know, they're either mm-hmm. living undiagnosed right. or self-medicating. So, um, you know, most of the issues we're dealing with when it comes to that stigma, when I did ask for help, I didn't receive it. So I just became a workaholic. My coping skill was avoidance. So I just worked. 
I just did everything else. I just take care of everybody else. You know, I was in social mm-hmm. work for 15 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. You know, I did an organization. So that's how I coped because one thing about the military, it built me up to be this person. I really wanted challenges in life. I wanted all these experiences, you know, um, uh, be challenged to be a great person. But I still right. had these struggles and no one mm-hmm. could help me. And when I asked for help, and it was either, you know, you were belittled you know, or kind of mm-hmm. mocked, you know, kind of embarrassed about the issue, but there was no quick intervention. And I think that's what most women veterans are still struggling with. Is that why we suffer so long and become the most um, unidentified population and not engaging in community because we have to experience some level of trauma right. or something in the right. military in our transition. It's There's one other question I want to ask you, and then we'll move on because I want to know uh, how you over, uh, what did you do to change your life and overcome uh, some of these challenges, and uh, I, I read in the book, and the reason why I'm, I'm I'm pointing this out because you talked about being in Iraq where they gave you started giving you these pills, and yes. um and come to find out, I mean, in terms of talking about exposure to some of the elements over there, did you suffer effects from taking some of those medications? Yes. What what I have is what they call the Gulf War illness. It's kind of like the same thing as Agent Orange to the Vietnam veteran era. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Gulf War illness is a multi-symptom illness, and it came from living in that toxic environment over there. We're mm-hmm. exposed to depleted uranium, serum gas. Um, we had we were shot up with anthrax vaccines we didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, we were experimented on. Those white mm-hmm. PBT pills, we were ordered to take those. Um, and they were expired. And after so many years, there's so many people that were sick. 700,000 of us was deployed to the first Gulf War. And 250,000 of us are still sick. People, you know, uh, right. symptoms of um, sleep disorders, nerve disorders, uh-huh. MS, you know, you name it, uh, multi-symptoms. And they denied that it was even in existence until 2010. So that's something I deal with, too, is that it's something you can't see. So when you're... Right. Um, exposure right. to toxins and poisons destroy the myo sheets on our shells and our DNA was changed. One um, of the so reasons <laughs> I asked that question, not cutting you mm-hmm. off, but it was yeah. because one of our interviewees uh, on the show, one of our guests on the show, uh, served in the service also and is a five-time cancer survivor and yeah. can certainly address that. A lot of this was related to um, what she in- encountered while in the military. Uh, yes. And exactly in Iraq. So I, I mm-hmm. wonder, you know, that that taking those pills and all the stuff that they were giving you and really, uh, really resulted in some terrible traumas and physical illnesses for many uh, veterans. So I'm really, really sorry to hear that, too. But yes. how I, I want to know, too, because I really admire you and thank you so much for being so transparent. Um, what is the Gulf War illness and how does it affect one's life? Because you talk about that in your book, too. Yeah, it's, um, it's multi-symptom illness. It's really an undiagnosed. So you can have symptoms of hair loss. You can have, um, mm-hmm. people have skin disorders. Some people have nerve disorders. You know, it's a mm-hmm. variety of symptoms. That's the thing about it. That's so complex. But all of us are complaining. Since our, um, it's been 80,000 of um, the more veterans that served in that era that are deceased. Because, and I truly believe it's because of the Gulf War illness. We have the lowest count of war traumas. I think we're under 300 or a little bit above mm-hmm. 300. And so our war is kind of the forgotten war because we were the first televised. 
But now we have so many of my brothers and sisters in the gospel era that are suffering because of that. So, yeah, this continues to be a battle. In 2010, they finally admitted it, quote-unquote, that it exists. But Uh all they're doing is research. There's no solution. There's no remedy yet. Um, So the best thing Uh I've learned to do is do the natural detoxing, you know, try Uh to alkalize your body or whatnot because your body has been destroyed. The inside of it has been. And that's what I struggle with myself. Chronic pain, Uh fibromyalgia. People have no idea. They'll look Uh at you and think you just in this, you know, and it's frustrating because when you join the military, you're in tip top shape. They don't just take anybody. You know, you have to have it together. You're in good physical condition. Yeah, so And true. then you're this person now, I'm 47 years old, and sometimes I feel like I'm 80, you know, in my body, in my, in my mind, the headaches and things like that. So we're dealing with mm-hmm. chronic sy- symptoms that are manifesting. So it's a broad ray of it, and God bless us almost. A lot of my uh, fellow brothers and sisters are no longer here um, because of the golf or illness. And yeah. so I consider it just be a blessing to be able to talk. <laughs> you know, well, one, share my one story. thing uh, you have mentioned, and I concur, you're never the same after you experience a war. And I know that your whole self-image and the views of the world are dramatically changed once you experience this kind of trauma of war events. And it's caused so many wounds to many people and wounds to the soul and wounds to the spirit. So we're going to come back after this break and we're going to talk about how you overcame some of these and to change your life, and to be where you are today. So listeners, I want you to stay tuned. We'll be right back after a quick commercial break. And thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning into the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment. Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi there, and welcome back to my guest today, Sergeant Stephanie J. Shannon, 
who is a disabled U.S. Army veteran who served our country for eight years, including the Desert Storm, Desert Shield, Persian Gulf War One. But most importantly, she is the number one international best-selling author of a book called Battling the Storm Within. So before break, we talked a little bit about her experiences in the Army and Air, Air Force, then Army, but more importantly, some of the challenges that she faced and how she managed to live undiagnosed with PTSD for over 20 years and why it took her so long to be diagnosed properly. So we're back to talk with Stephanie about what did she do to change her life and overcome some of these traumatic life challenges. So Stephanie, I, I can admire you for all the things that you've gone on and you have been so brave and really are serving today a lot of women. And I know that you're captivating a lot of listeners out there who maybe don't quite understand what women veterans or what women in the Army have to go through, whether they're in the United States or maybe if they're in other armies too in other countries. So what happened and how did you happen to transition back to civilian life? Well, I've been 20 years undiagnosed with PTSD. And, you know, um, knowing that I had some concerns and issues, I had a great faith. You know, I believe that mm-hmm. God allowed mm-hmm. this to happen for a purpose, and mm-hmm. he had a remedy for it. So mm-hmm. I ended up actually hitting rock bottom. Um, I became a homeless veteran um, after working oh, wow. and burning myself out. That's why mm-hmm. I tell women it's about self-preservation. And um, I took care of everybody else. I helped everybody else. I kept mm-hmm. serving, but I didn't serve myself, and mm-hmm. I neglected myself. Mm-hmm. So my doctor took me off on stress leave, and I never came back as a social worker. I just, you know, the time off um, really gave me time to reflect and realize that it was more to life and just running around and, and, and taking care of everyone else and that I needed the restoration. So mm-hmm. becoming a homeless veteran was my rock bottom. I entered, uh, entered into the Ann Arbor VA um, program and they actually gave us what they call a HUD bash voucher. And um, mm-hmm. so was, I would say the last three, four years spending time working on myself, the medical attention and whatnot, that really started the process because the things we fear, often what they do, they'll chase us until we turn around and face it. And then when I started facing my fears, I realized really they weren't that huge. I just needed the support based mm-hmm. tools to mm-hmm. handle them. So that was a good thing for me. It's a horrible thing in the sense where just imagine losing everything you have. You, you just I, imagine I, being a self-sufficient wow. person. <laughs> yeah, wow. It was, it was a humbling experience. It was I, a, right. a awakening of who I was in God because he began to show me he was my source. You know, um, losing, you know, some people, 50000 a year to $123 a month. That's what I was granted at first was only 10% disability. Mm-hmm. And living at that poverty level, living with just basic, it really humbled me. And it really started me to face myself and deal with my issues. So it really was a time of um, restoration. It really was the rest that God wanted me to enter into, but mm-hmm. I didn't know how to because I was always self-sufficient, and I had to take care of myself. Who's going to take care of me? Who's going to take care of my son? But I learned to trust in God. So really the wake-up call was really realizing that I needed to change my life. I couldn't blame anybody else anymore regardless of what happened to me. You know, I go in details over even throughout the transition of coming home, the difficulty I had in relationships, the difficulty I had in different areas of life. Um, I decided to own what Stephanie could own. And then I decided to change my life. I said, I don't like who I am anymore. I was really sick of it, um, the whole situation. But I was like, it's something that has to shift here. Why is this constantly happening to me? So I decided to break the cycle. You know, well, of Stephanie, defeat. I felt like let I was- me go back a bit. Let, let me just go mm-hmm. back a bit. Um, 
you're 18 when you go into the Air Force, then Army, really. Um, and then how old are you when you come out? Because you, you came oh. out, how old were you when 20. you came out? Yeah, actually, um, when I listed it, after my associate's degree, I was 20. I was 20 when I went in. Okay. And 20. um, 21 when I was overseas, and then I got out when I was 28. Okay, so when you did get out, uh, you earned your bachelor's degree at Grand Valley? Yes. Okay, so you were able mm-hmm. to get your bachelor's in psychology. Um, now, one of the things I guess I'm looking at, you, you spent all this time, 20 to 28, so really you got eight years of an orientation towards a very regimented, what I would call regimented society in the sense, because you don't have the freedom to exercise your own will. You're doing everything that you're told and you want to accomplish something. You want to, nobody wants to remain a private, so you want to move up the ranks. Yes. So do you feel that in retrospect, a lot of your orientation and why things happened was because of what happened impacted you while you spent that eight years? Yes, um, because I, I, I didn't talk about it. It didn't, mm-hmm. you know, I brought mm-hmm. it out. I act like it didn't happen, so I kept serving. So it's kind of so, like having a broken leg and never going to the doctor. <laughs> and it heals, and, but it heals broken. So, yeah, I, I do feel that was the issue. Um, if I was to do it again, I would go in as an officer. I would not be an enlisted person. But um, can you also say, too, to women and men out there, that one of, one of, I think one of the things, too, that's coming out of this conversation about that eight years and really Stephanie having to talk about things that happened to you because by talking about your fears, talking about them helps you to heal. Yes. Am I right? Yes, it does. Um, but okay. having a safe place to talk. Well, yes, about of course. That, yeah. yeah. Having a safe yeah, place that's to talk. Absolutely. Absolutely. So is this one of the reasons now you had training in uh, paralegal and real estate and social work? Did you did you work in those fields? Yes, I did. I worked in those fields. Uh, You know, I was an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I just really the type of person that was always trying to find out what's the next, you know, hot business. Mm -hmm. Let's check this out. I was in the social media, you know, when it was just launching off. I was really just kind of a networker, a person Mm -hmm. that was always Mm -hmm. looking for, you know, an industrious person. That's just my personality. But mm-hmm. I never dealt with the personal issues I had. No one knew. No one knew. When I released mm-hmm. my book, no one even knew I was writing it. No, I, I didn't tell anybody. I just did it. It was something <laughs> I wanted closure to because I didn't mm-hmm. want to deal with the anxiety of, you know, mm-hmm. a few people that knew. A lot of people were negative, you know, so I had mm-hmm. to block that off because God told me to write this book. So I said, if you're going to write this, want me to write this book, I'm going to work on it. But I didn't work on the book until I was, I didn't release this book until I was 40 so for 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 twenty years, yes, you're living nothing. you're living and not really sharing with anyone no. what's going on with you. Is that right? Not at all. Yeah, I just wanted it. I I wanted it to go away. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you have experience and you just kind of where I'm not there anymore. You know, mm-hmm. it's over. But it wasn't because it caused the, this conflict in my own character, my personality. I was restricted from me and myself, you know, and just kind of just trying to live below the wire. You know, when things like that happen to you, you just try to avoid conflict. You try to avoid right. another trauma. Right. You just right. don't, you just want people right. to stop. Well, <laughs> you know, I, so I, I, I can well understand it. I mean, yeah. I am just so, so really moved by the fact that, you know, you kept this locked within you and then through the help of God encouraging you to write this 
personal, deeply personal memoir, because I have read the book and I, I'm encouraging people to actually get that book because it, it serves as a lesson of, of how you can reclaim your life. And, and those are words you mm-hmm. use, uh, reclaiming yeah. your life after a struggle. So for listeners out there, this is such an important principle that no matter what challenges, what experiences and how negative and how horrible they may be, you can, you can reclaim your life. And yeah. more importantly, what you did was to start uh, and found the MIWVE, which I want you to just share just a quick bit before we have a, uh, wow, we got to have a quick break. But the MIV, MIWVE, what does that stand for? Michigan Women Veterans Empowerment. It's a nonprofit organization that I started after uh-huh. um, I released my book and found out there were so many other women veterans struggling. And I just wanted to help uh, identify, engage, and connect and empower women veterans and provide a platform. Um, our voices need to be heard. One thing I felt like throughout my trauma, my voice was taken from me. I didn't know who I was. So um, when I've, since I've had my voice again, I'm just empowering other women and, and women veterans to speak again. Speak from their story, their truth. And that's one thing. It's very liberating to be able to speak without fear, without concern of anybody's opinion. And, and that takes a lot of work, but that's where I'm at now. And I want to give that to others. I think that is so wonderful because... In in finding this organiz this nonprofit organization, it, it it really ties into your mission and your purpose, right? Yes, it does. It's like another too. I, I finally I feel like I I found my you know my path because I was mm-hmm. struggling like who am I? You know I have all these experiences and I share too in the book. You know I talk about been married and divorced twice. I've, I've homeless, you know, I've, mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. suicidal, depressed, a lot of trauma stuff. And to be able to look back in that and laugh and smile, that's because I did the work. I was willing to get in there and dig in the trenches and deal with all that painful, ugly stuff. And uh, out of uh, the ugly stuff was right. so much beauty. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To come forth. Well, mm-hmm. like as I, as I started the show today with how, how wonderful it is that you're able to laugh and, and bring joy uh, in spite of all of that has happened to you is so encouraging. And I know it's encouraging to the listeners out there because some may be going through some things and have a lot of things in the past that they've never told anybody and they're battling this. And it really has caused them to not be able to sleep, to have all kinds of illnesses and things and traumas that are affecting them. So when we come back, we're going to talk about what needs to change with regard to women veterans within the military and society today? So stay tuned. We're going to be right back with my guest, Sergeant Stephanie J. Shannon. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. There are many challenges associated with recovery from any issue. By building a support system of friends, family members, and professionals, you can overcome these challenges. Tune in to Rise Radio with host Randy Havison. On this program, we'll bring topics to the forefront like addiction, self-esteem, leadership, relationship building, and other topics to empower you and your support system to achieve a greater level of personal growth. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? 
Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back guest today, Sergeant Stephanie J. Shannon, who is a strong advocate for women veterans especially. And she's the founder, CEO of Michigan Women Veterans Empowerment, which is a nonprofit faith-based organization that empowers women veterans within the state of Michigan. You know, we've been talking about her life experiences that are actually chronicled in her book, Battling the Storm Within. And so she has been so courageous and brave today and really being transparent and sharing her story, which is a story of struggle and survival and healing that empowers others to address their own personal needs. So before we went on break, we were talking about her organization, which is the MIWVE, which is the Michigan Women, Women Veterans Empowerment faith-based organization that is really making a difference, I know, through services and the events and the advocacy that she is providing with her staff in Michigan. So, you know, Stephanie, what are some of, I'm going to ask this question because before I ask the, the, what we need to do to change, but what are some of the issues that are still the challenges that, that uh, women veterans are still facing today? Yeah, there's about 2 million women veterans in the nation, estimated. Um, we make up about mm-hmm. one Point seven percent of the population, about about one percent of the population mm-hmm. in the United wow. States, and um, so yeah, we're a very small number, but our issues are great. Um, we're the most underserved population. Um, you know, it's kind of hard for us to find. We don't self-identify. Um, you know how you see the guy veterans they wear the hats and the caps, and you kind of know they're veterans, and mm-hmm. they have. Um, organizations, they get together on a regular basis. There's not too many places like that for women veterans. We still have uh, struggles in many areas, especially with transition, because we have the children, you know, with us. And mm-hmm. most of us have experienced some type of family turbulence. Um, women veterans, just to say the suicide rate, we, uh, six times more, we commit suicide more than a, the average civilian woman. Um, 22 veterans commit suicide every day. The homeless veteran population wow. is, is, is rising for women veterans because we have children. Most of the placements do not mm-hmm. have uh, place spaces for your children, you know. Um, we have those challenges there. We have the un- underemployment or unemployment um, mm-hmm. issue with women veterans. Child care is huge, huge, you know. Uh, sometimes that's, that's the, most of the challenge, transportation, basic things like that. Mm-hmm. But serving and, and, and not knowing your, what services are available or not getting the proper support is not 
uh, really a seamless transition. They're trying to do that more for the newer, um, mm-hmm. young, younger troops to come in, but we have senior veterans that are still struggling from different areas that really are um, disconnected. I would say we don't really have a visible, strong place in the community, and I think that's what's lacking for us, and I think that's something we need to create. I tell my sister veterans, we have to create our own platform you know, and do it ourselves. We right. don't expect anybody to do it for us. Well, you know, one of the things that um, you talk about is how to address some of these issues and empower women through faith. And, you know, I know when we talk about faith and having faith in God, what do, what do you mean when you say to, you know, we need to empower women veterans through faith? Well, um, see, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence right. of things not seen. You can't see it, but you just know. You know, mm-hmm. just like the things I was going through, I just believed that it's going to get better. I had hope. Mm-hmm. So faith is something you, it's in your heart, it's in your mind, and it's something you have to have. No one can have it for you. So empowering someone, it's just like instead of, you know, giving a person a fish, you teach them how to fish. Mm-hmm. You give them the skill set. You, you guide them. You support them along the way, opposed to carrying them. Women veterans do not want to hand out. Uh, we basically want to hand up or some level of assistance. We want to be heard without judgment. There's a lot of negative stigmas mm-hmm. uh, out about women veterans, too, that we battle with every day. That's one of the mm-hmm. challenges. That's why I started the organization, and I'm doing the conference in November um, called The Voices of Women Veterans and our prisons, platforms, and potentials, and our pathways. Who are we? We're, you know, to give more of an introduction, these are real veterans right here, and you can hear from us ourselves opposed to listening to the statistics. So empowerment is something that you have to be open to and mm-hmm. know that you need it, you know, and just like having a coach. You got a coach telling you, hey, team, right. we're going to do this, you know. Right. It's someone speaking life, but you have to grab that and receive it for yourself and then cultivate it. Now, one one of the things I'm intrigued with, too, is are you using your book as a uh, sort of a guide or as an opportunity to have um, maybe um, seminars or uh, Mm -hmm. retreats or things with women around some of the things within your book, which encourages people to talk about their experiences for healing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been doing so much work. As a matter of fact, my place Mm -hmm. is full of guys. It's kind of funny, you know, when you tell you, I'll do what you, you know, call me to do. And then the assignment is so great. Um, so I've had opportunities. We had a, um, actually a women veterans writers workshop um, where we talked about, you know, how to tell your story, how to get um, mm-hmm. in that place of, of revealing yourself mm-hmm. to the masses. Um, we're working on a women veterans anthology book. And so, yes, we do. I do. My book has been, I, I really didn't anticipate it like that. I kind of, think people understand when you come in from a very personal, this is a war memoir. This is not a nonfiction or fiction story. This is really my life. So mm-hmm. I didn't really know what was going to come out of it, but what's been happening is that people can come to me telling me, thank you for sharing. You helped me gain a greater understanding. Now I want to tell my story. I'm like, exactly. Your voice is important. Your voice matters. So it's just kind of being a pioneer there. Um, and also providing a platform for women veterans to speak. I have a, a, a magazine, online magazine line where I, I'm developing stories that call Voices of Veterans. I have a mm-hmm. radio show called Veterans Empowered Network where we interview veterans and service providers. So we're doing some really organic, unique work in the community. Mm-hmm. So who knows what's, what God is going to add to it. Basically, that's how the book has been. It's been a tool um, to help a lot mm-hmm. of people um, in the military, out the military, even in the spiritual part. I talk in, you know, how God healed me, the power of forgiveness and releasing mm-hmm. people and forgiving yourself. Oh, that I is was so the important. Worst. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was mm-hmm. all my fault. 
if I didn't do this, if I didn't make these decisions, it would never happen. I was stuck there for so long. Then I finally realized that that experience made me into this stronger person. I'm a very strong person in my spirit, and I have very thick skin because I've been through so much. So right. I'm not right. really moved by people anymore. You know, I'm moved by purpose. And that's right. one thing you, you grow into. It's not something you can just obtain. You have to mature and go through the process of, um, uh, right. you know, working on yourself and applying skills. You know, um, currently there's been a lot of focus and attention um, currently on on veterans, just veterans in general. And uh, actually there's been reform efforts even in some of the services um, that veterans received. I think there was an expose some years back in terms of the lack of services that veterans receive. And I think it's so deplorable when these men and women like yourselves have gone to serve this country uh, at their own risk. And a lot of times, as I said, you volunteer for it. It isn't something that you're drafted. My husband was in the military for 20, 22 years, and then he worked for a military base for 20 more. So all in all, he spent about 44 years or more in, in a regimented, I guess, you know, society. But the thing about his experience is he was drafted. So it wasn't like he yeah. volunteered. Now, of course, once he was drafted, he's talked about, you know, he, he re-upped for more years and ended up uh, having a military career in the service. But things yeah. were different. And, of course, they're, they're different, as you have pointed out, for males versus women. What, you know, one of the things I think it would be interesting, uh, Stephanie, is looking at somebody doing a historical view, and I'm not sure this has been done because it'd be my lack of not uh, having done research in the area, if there's been a historical overview of women in the service down oh, through wow. the years in the United States. Do you know? Well, I've done a lot state? of research and spoke mm-hmm. on it. You know, uh, we've been involved mm-hmm. in the military since the Revolutionary War where and the commander would give the women um, authority to work beside their husband, but they didn't get compensated. We really wasn't mm-hmm. included. And, you know, we had the WAX Women Army's Corps. We do have a history. Um, so it's definitely it's not something I would say that's very visible. It's something you do have to definitely research and take time out. But mm-hmm. it's definitely something that needs to happen um, uh, to believe do believe there's several groups of women veterans are are starting to form across the nation in regards to that. But um, like you said, too, yeah, I think that is something that we are lacking because we can find history books on more than it's dealing with men only. Um, and, and women veterans' voices are not heard. We're not really included. And But it's been a shift since they've opened all the branches of service for women to serve in any area of the military. And then they also just... Um, they're going to draft women now. I don't know if society really knows that and they're ready for that, that our mm-hmm. daughters are now required to sign up. Mm-hmm. And, and when they come 18, yes, yes. And I, I think you kind of slip through, you know, with all this political drama going on that they're not realizing. These are things that's going to pack. If we have another war and there's a draft, young women will be drafted. too. And oh, so wow. uh, mm-hmm. are we ready for that? And so those issues right there, yes, definitely significant. And women veterans are um, women are serving, um, joining the military more than men. You know, um, it's definitely a major shift in leadership too. Um, there's still some first timers. You know, first time this, first time you know, still going on there. Right. Um, but yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. Now, definitely. what are some of the things that uh, we can do to encourage, support, and advocate? Become advocates for uh, our women veterans within our communities. What are some of the things? 
It starts, it starts with trust. You know, we definitely have trust issues. You know, um, when you've been hurt uh-huh. and, and, and disappointed and asked for help and left out for a while, you know, you definitely have those guards up. So the thing is, when you meet a woman better and if she opens up to you and shares that, that is great. Um, being a good listener without uh-huh. judgment. Um, a lot of us don't share because we'll share something that seems so bizarre <laughs> to the general population, so we'll close up. Um, so providing a safe place, a safe place where there's no gossiping, backstabbing, anything like uh-huh. that. Women uh-huh. veterans, we want to release ourselves to where we're being embraced, if supported, and then asked. Um, a lot of things are assumed. Um, I see people like, you know, they'll say they want to put on a woman veterans event and don't even ask women veterans what we want. They'll just Come on, we want to celebrate you. Some of us don't want that. You know, some okay. of us are different okay. stages of healing. So it's more or less listening to that person. And if she says, you know, I need help, you know, finding out where they're local, wherever they are in the nation. Mm-hmm. I do have um, veteran advocates across the nation where we support women, um, veterans, period, not just women, but mm-hmm. to help them find. So someone can hit me up off my website at battlingstormwithin.com and ask mm-hmm. me, you know, they can be in any other state. But finding an advocate in your local um, VA, a lot of people don't use the VA, but some of the community organizations are mm-hmm. strong. So if you meet a veteran and they're, you know they're struggling, some of them, like, um, a lot of them want remain in that home estate. I've had a lot of people that are like, why are they? I said, because that's something a lot of the Vietnam veterans was. You have um, down in California, you know, um, a lot of veterans that are just living out on the street, and they could be in the housing programs. Some of them right. don't want to be in those structured homes, those programs. They like their life. So it's really finding out where that veteran is mm-hmm. and if they're open to support or help, but let them lead in it. Well, you know, I I agree. There's much to be done. And I am hopeful that in this country that we begin to recognize and honor our veterans and to do something uh, proactively for our homeless veterans and men and women uh, and to provide jobs for them. I do know that there are things on the platform that will address some of these issues for veterans in this country. And I just want to thank you because you've been through many challenges, Sergeant Stephanie Shannon, my good friend. And, you know, you, you've been very brave. And I admire, again, your bold step that led you on the path of recovery and how you're speaking out for so many women veterans who served this country. So as I conclude the show today, I want to thank you for your authenticity and your transparency in sharing your journey of transformation today. And, you know, I know my listeners have benefited from your story and get out and get her book, Battling the Storm Within, because it's a must read for many of you. And please note, Sergeant Stephanie Shannon, I wish you so much success as you continue to be a veteran for a champion for women veterans. So as I wrap up the show today, you have learned her story of overcoming PTSD and other resulting traumas as a result of her time in the military. But more importantly, how you can take control of your life and reset your mind and emotions for success. So I leave you with this. Remember, lessons aren't always happy ones, but they keep coming. It isn't a bad idea to pause occasionally and look inside. Because you want to learn, and I know I do, life's meaning. And we learn by maturing and growing older. We learn by caring more. We learn by loving more. And sometimes we learn by suffering. And we learn by bearing with things that we cannot change, as Sergeant Shannon certainly did. But we learn by moving forward, leaving the past behind, and truly giving our best 
and expecting the best. So listen in next week as I'll have another dynamic guest who's going to share on the topic of sisterhood connections. You won't want to miss this show. So this is Dr. Barbara Young, your success coach, signing off until next Tuesday. Surround yourself with dreamers, believers, and thinkers. But most of all, surround yourself with those who see greatness in you, even when you don't see it in yourself. Thank you. God bless you. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Have an outstanding week.